Welcome back to Tim One's Ministries, Real Talk, Real Truth. We are with Foster Coker. Uh, when we left, we talked about in length about the traumatic experience when he had a home invasion and how, you know, he felt like there were some neutral, supernatural things protecting his family. And um, I read a story in a news article pertaining to the situation where it said that him and his wife was traumatized after this experience. Do you want to go into detail what your daughter meant when she said traumatized? Well, I mean, I think it goes without saying that anybody, any average person that mm -hmm. goes through uh, an event like that would be uh, traumatized, have some kind of uh, deep mental injury over right. it. I mean, I never wanted to kill anybody in my life. Exactly. I never wanted to see my wife get crippled. Mm -hmm. uh, I never wanted to uh, lose the sense of security in my own home that I had had since, a, since a birth, basically. Do you think about that now? Do you, I mean, and you're traumatized to me is a very vague word. It can mean different things to different people. Do you, like if you hear a bump in the night now, do you think you jump quicker now maybe? Do you yes, think? yes. Mm -hmm. um, I believe um, professionally in the uh, mental health field, it's called hypervigilance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you hear that referenced in PTSD soldiers that have been... My wife used to be a nurse. I have heard that term. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hypervigilance. Any, any little noise uh, is, a, is a threat. Mm -hmm. um, we have upgraded our security and home defenses tremendously. Um, that was actually going to be my next question, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, upgraded the weapons, upgraded the security, upgraded uh, just the doors, mm -hmm. the entry points, everything's... Everything's uh, taken up to the next level. We, uh, if I go out at night to shut the gate, my wife says I'll cover you. Mm -hmm. If I, if, she, if I say see her going out to check to get the mail, I say you got your pistol with you. Mm -hmm. She says yes. We carry armed 100% of the time. You both have, I'm assuming, your license to conceal carry that kind of thing. We okay. do. All right. Now, when you do these things, and it's not out of fear, it's just out of taking care of things, right? I mean, you know, ma making sure. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know. Well, you, don't, you wouldn't carry that gun if you wasn't scared. It has nothing to do with being scared. It has to do with being smart. No, okay? I, I don't carry a gun because I'm scared. Exactly. I carry a gun so I'm not scared. Exactly. Exactly. I've heard that I've heard that said like that before. And, you know, and unfortunately, we live in a society where people will kill you just because. And um, it, it's sad, but it's true. You know, the world needs Jesus. Um, do you feel like your walk with Christ has improved? I won't say improved, has grown Absolutely. since this situation? And talk about that a little bit. Well, the event happened on a Friday morning. Mm -hmm. That Sunday, uh, in spite of our injuries, in spite of everything, we're in church. We're, you know, we have a lot to be thankful for that day, mm -hmm. and we're not going to go and thank the Lord in person. Amen. We, uh, you know, my wife uh, was on crutches, mm -hmm. or in a, in a wheelchair, actually. Yeah, with all the injuries, I was like, yeah, wow, that's uh, amazing, she's on crutches. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> she hadn't had the surgery yet on her toe. They had to do surgery a few days later to put a rod in her toe. Mm -hmm. But we were there at church that day, and you know, all our friends were, um, you know, of course, glad to see us. They were amazed that we were there. I right. said, "Well, you know, look, you know, if I can get through the door after something like that, I've, you know, I've got to come tell everybody what happened." Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like it's uh, the reason that happened to us, and the reason we survived it is because the Lord wanted us to share this story. And if if it saves one life, if one person takes an extra security measure, if one person gets shooting lessons, if one person gets their concealed carry permit, if if one person uh, changes the way they pray at night. Wow. Any little mm -hmm. thing that they can do to make their lives better, safer, more secure, then, then I feel like then what we went through would be worth it. Right. You brought it up, so I'm going to expand on it. Change the way they pray at night. How did your prayers change after that day? Well, 
you know, I've, I've had a lucky life. I've, I've had relatively good health. Like I said, my grandparents raised me. They sacrificed a lot to send me to Christian schools for 12 years. Mm -hmm. So I've always had a lot to be thankful for. Right. But, I mean, every day that, that, that event comes up in my prayers to the Lord when I thank him for, for what happened, what he did on my behalf that day. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's, a, I don't want to say, you know, that's awesome because a lot of people when they have, and yours was a very traumatic event, but I know a lot of people, we, we call it the drunk Christian. You know, if you'll, God, if you'll help me, I'll never do this again. And then oh, next yeah. week they do the same thing again. And I know people that's been through experiences that, you know, for the first six months they're on fire for God and they're doing the prayers you're doing. This has been, what, six years now? Yeah, almost and six years. every day it still comes up in your prayers. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's, you know, that's, to me, a it's real then, you know what I mean? And I, I have some very probably different theological viewpoints. I, I, I'm not big on doctrine. I'm big on God. And, um, you know, we we had this situation with my daughter, and I'm we're going back to you, but I just want to kind of expand on what you're saying, where she's been to the altar 37 times, but her life doesn't reflect the fruit. And, you know, it, sometimes it's an emotional experience is what I'm trying to say. And I think some people, when they get in a situation like you were in and your wife was in, that it becomes an emotional experience and it's not real. Where in this year, this case, you praying every day about it, I said all that to say this, you know God was involved in that. Oh, absolutely. There's no, there, you, can't, you can't convince me you didn't know God was involved yeah, in that. Yeah. You know? I mean, if I tell somebody that and they don't believe me, well, that's on them. But, but I know what happened. I was there. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't alone. Exactly. Now, since all this has happened and, you know, your life is, I'm, it'll never be normal. What, you know, what, what, is, what is normal anyway? But how has it changed as far as your walk with Christ? I, you know, you're already a Christian. You're already in church. You're already doing things. Is there anything that you've noticed to where maybe a, a, a higher alertness when you see things or not, not even criminal things, but, you know, I need to help that person because, you know, something like that. And don't, don't let me put words in your mouth. I'm trying to, yeah. In the aftermath of the event, my wife and I were quickly put in touch with a local organization that Jacksonville is blessed to have, mm -hmm. and that's the Justice Coalition. You may not yes. be familiar with I it. Am, it was yes. founded some mm -hmm. years ago by uh, Ted Hires. Mm -hmm. It is a vic victim's advocacy group. It advocates to help the uh, vic innocent victims of crime uh, with financially, with uh, government support, with Prayer. I mean, the first day my wife and I went in that office, they shut everything down. Everybody in the building came and gathered around us and, and prayed with us. And when you say everyone in the building, I, I, I know the answer to this, but tell well, how many people you're talking about. Well, I think there was probably six or eight people there. Six, mm -hmm. probably six that day. Right. Uh, from the receptionist to the advocates themselves mm -hmm. to, the, to the director. They all stopped what they were doing, came and, and prayed with us. And mm -hmm. And then, and then they're on the phone to the government, to Tallahassee, to, to Jacksonville City Hall, mm -hmm. making sure that uh, as victims that we got what we uh, had a right to. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people, a modern complaint is that all the laws favor the criminals. But there are things out there that favor the victims. Right. And the Justice Coalition specializes in accessing those things and making sure that people get what they need. We got money for a new back door. I mean, mm -hmm. we had to have a door. We couldn't live with our back door not being able right. to close. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they made sure we got money for a back door. They made sure we got money for groceries because we were out of work. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they went to every single court appearance for all three of the surviving gang members. Mm -hmm. 
they did so much for us. I, I just I, I'll never stop being grateful to them. And and as a as a very very small way of repaying them, I've taken the opportunity after being invited to do so to join the board of that organization. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a just an absolute blessing that Jacksonville has an organization like that, a Christian based faith based mm-hmm. organization. That's not to say that we only help Christian people, right? But we do the Christian the thing. Christian thing, no matter the who it's with, right? right. Exactly as long as right. it's an innocent victim of crime, we will we will do everything we can, and within our power, within our budget, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to help them. Right. Do they have a website or something that where people can go and donate to help? Absolutely. If you just Google the Justice Coalition of Jacksonville, mm-hmm. uh, you would find their website and a, a very clearly marked way to donate to that organization. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, you know. Michael Lyles, I played softball with before he I passed. I absolutely know yeah, Mr. Lyles. And, and unfortunately, he passed away. But yeah. he was a victim of crime and became, I believe, chairman of the, the board, director. president, director. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mike was a great guy. Me and him played softball together at North Main Street Baptist Church when I was an 18, 19 year old kid. Oh, is that right? And um, I actually reached out to him to tell him congratulations when he took on that role after the situation with his wife. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he Facebooked me back, and, you know, we had a quick chat, and, yeah, but same guy. He was the same guy back in the day as he was then. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely missed, I was hate, hated to hear the situation that happened with Michael. But um, back to your situation. You said you're on the board. What does that consist of? Do you go to, I mean, do you help other families now that went through the same thing we, you did? We, we attend events. Uh, fundraising is a big part of it. It, mm-hmm. it is not uh, something that can be done in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. We have to pay and train people to be these courtroom advocates. It's not something that the person just walking off the street and know and understand. Mm-hmm. You know how the justice system is. It's very internecine and convoluted. Mm-hmm. So it takes special training and knowledge to be able to uh, fulfill that role. And we are blessed to have the people that we do that do it, but you know, you can't ask somebody to do that for nothing. Right, so there's, okay. Do you, do you have enough help in that area? And where do they go to get training if they want to be part of it? Or? Well, just contact the Justice Coalition. Mm-hmm. Look them up online, call them. Uh, write us, email us. Uh, mm-hmm. We we won't we won't turn down any help. There's always something that can be done. Right. Okay. And when you said they helped you, they fundraised to help families that went through what you did. Is there any grants out there, anything like that, that helps them, or do you know of any? I well, mean, we, we I'm trying have, to figure out where they get their money besides fundraising. Well, there is a couple of government grants, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it's fundraising and donations. We have events. Mm-hmm. We have uh, coming up in September the shoot for justice event mm-hmm. where it's a, 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 a day at the gun range right uh, and it's a lot of fun right and it's for a wonderful cause and i encourage anybody that can to support that uh, either as a participant or just as a donor okay. you can you know if you want to put together a team and each person contributes a certain amount of money and go and compete there's prizes there's uh, a raffle there's all kinds of good things going on that day i highly encourage anybody shoot for justice in september where's that gonna be held at do you know yet i know we had to postpone it because of the code so, so right, everything's okay. kind of up in the air you so. know we have a mutual friend that's big into shooting you remember mark few oh absolutely mark mark's big into shooting so maybe we can contact mark and see if mark if you're watching in fact i will contact you and we'll see what you can do to help us out with that um but yeah so you're on the justice coalition you still work in insurance now you mentioned pam being disabled does she work now still or is she able to work yeah, she continued to work. She, you know, missed some work. We both missed a few months of work there in the direct aftermath of the event. But she uh, didn't have to retire. She just has some that's mobility good. issues, and of course now she's working from home like half the people are. So gotcha. That's, that's yeah, good for me her. too. <laughs> um, 
I've, I've seen something the other when I was reading through this story, and I, I, I missed it earlier, so I want to go back to one thing real quick, okay? Mm -hmm. um, it was at the beginning of your story, and I meant to mention it, and I didn't. I apologize. Bear with me. Sure. Um, right here. Pam screams Jolts Foster from a deep sleep. I know you mentioned that. If you can just, in detail, I know you weren't probably thinking, like you said, a spider bug, whatever, when you, that brief moment when you realized what was going on, you mentioned that your first thing was getting away from your wife. In any time during your whole story, and please, I'm not trying to condemn or convict, did you say a quick prayer, God help me? Because most people do, is why I'm asking. No, I didn't. No? I really didn't. You didn't? Have okay, time. I appreciate I, your I honesty. Yeah. I didn't have time for that to go through my head. Okay. It, it was all survival. From the, from the first second I jumped across her, it was a fight not to die. Appreciate your honesty. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about this that I haven't asked you? Well, uh, like you said earlier, it's not anything you want to ever happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. But um, you can't guarantee that it won't. So be right. prepared. Be prepared. Defend your home. Uh, secure your doors. Secure your windows. Uh, get a gun and know how to use it because the bad guys are bringing theirs. Right. And if you don't have one then you're not here to tell this story. I received that because I've been talking about it for two years and haven't done it. I'll be honest with you. So I definitely received that, and um, I will definitely initiate it a lot quicker than what I have been. Is there a go-to Bible verse you'd like to share with the uh, listening audience? Well, um, my favorite has always been, I believe it's Hebrews 13, 1 and 2, let brotherly love continue. Yes. Be ever mindful to entertain strangers because thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Angels are real. Angels are. are out there. And you don't know when you're talking to one and when you're not. You're right. You do know when they're in your house helping you win a gunfight. But you don't always know when you're dealing with one in your day-to-day -day life. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. You know, if we would all live by the one commandment that says do unto others, you'd have them do unto you. Because you never know who you're doing unto. And um, that's what I tell my kids all the time. Foster, it's been a, just a great opportunity to talk with you again. My pleasure. Um, your, your story, your testimony is amazing. We know God was involved in this, Absolutely. but you wouldn't be here right now. That's absolutely and true. And I, I appreciate you, and I appreciate the fact that you're sharing your story with everyone and let them know that God is real to everyday people. He absolutely is. You have a blessed day, sir. Thank you, amen. God bless. Hi, welcome back to 101 Ministries Real Talk, Real Truth. We're part two of episode two with Foster Coker. When we had left, Foster was talking about... Um, basically firing the shot and the fatal shot that killed the intruder. Um, Foster, you want to go into that a little bit more? What do you, whatever you want to tell us, please tell us. Well, I fired five shots. Uh, one missed wide right, uh, three, two missed wide left, but two hit him. One went through his arm, uh, through and through, and one hit him in the heart, dead center. But um, it takes the heart a long time to stop pumping mm -hmm. in a gunfight. It's not like TV where one shot kills people. Right. Very rarely is it like that. So I saw that he was still ready to go, and he had a, a gun. Uh, I couldn't tell the type, but I could tell he had an extended magazine, so I knew he had plenty more rounds left, and I didn't. So I threw myself on top of him to hold him down so that my wife could go get another gun kind of put an end to this. Uh, he and I are rolling around on the floor, struggling. I'm beating his head on the floor. I'm trying to not, not let go of his gun hand. He's biting me. I get him uh, At one point, I get him in a headlock where he's biting me. Uh, up under the uh, arm and on the side of my body. Um, I get him down on the floor. I'm hitting his head on the floor. My finger ends up in his mouth. He crushes it, just crushes it. Uh, the x-ray looked like a 
yellow pencil you bit into. By biting. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd read that. Where, like someone chewed on a pencil. Like, yeah. So it wasn't just one bite. He was literally. Well, he had it in his back teeth and just ground it down. Wow. And I didn't realize it at the time. You know, with oh, all the adrenaline and yeah, the distraction. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know if I was hurt. Um, finally, I see that uh, my wife is coming back with the second gun. Um, I don't want to let him go because as far as I can tell, he's got 30 more rounds. Mm -hmm. I tell her, you're going to have to shoot him. I pick him up so that she has a good uh, broadside target. I pick him up and say, shoot him, honey. He's still fighting, trying to get loose, trying to kill us. Uh, she says, I'm afraid I'll hit you. So I say, you've got to shoot him. And I push him as far away as I can without letting go. Mm -hmm. And she lets loose. Pow, pow, pow. Close range. Um, she shot him. Uh, we're not sure. Who, sh who shots did what, but she shot him two or three more times. I felt his body lurching with the impact. Uh, in the end, we found out that one of those shots did indeed go through his neck and sever his spine. And that's when the, all the fight went out of him. He mm -hmm. went limp. I dropped him on the floor. But even at that point, his body was still moving. He still had his gun in his hand. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't taking any chances with my safety of my grandson and my wife. I took the pistol from her and shot him one more time. Okay. And at that point, the fight was over. I collapsed on the floor. She ran, got me a towel to hold over my head. Uh, she got on the phone with 911. The, ho the house phone wasn't working. One of the shots in the, one of my shots, I think, it hit the TV, which all, it's all tied in with the cable and everything, yeah. so the phone went out. She finally got her cell phone working. She had trouble with that because it had fallen on the floor. But finally she got 911 and they came and the rest, you know, took away, you know, the crime scene in the house for seven hours. Mm -hmm. Took us both to the hospital. Your grandson at this point in time, when did he realize what was going on? What, I, I can only imagine the reaction, but how did he handle the situation of what he was seeing? Well, um, he, he, he bore it up very bravely as far as I could tell. Uh, at one point I did see him stick his head out of his room, curious about what happened after mm -hmm. the fight was over. And I told him, I said, I know this looks bad because I was pouring blood. I said, this right. looks bad, but I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I said, but don't come out. And, and he stayed in his room, did what I told him. Uh, when the police came, we had a very, very kind officer come and, and, and find out that he was in there. He took a blanket and put it around him so he couldn't see what, what was in the living room and took him out and into the front Good yard. Good job. Great job by the police. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. Okay. Um, now, the police are there at this point in time. They're obviously doing their investigation. Did you go immediately to the hospital or did you talk to the police first? No, okay. immediately to the hospital because I was pouring blood. They didn't know how badly I was hurt. Right. Okay. When did the police tell you the situation about his gun and what was going on and so forth? You know, I don't remember exactly when that was. I think it was days later I found out about his gun. Okay, and you want to tell him why he only fired one shot? Well, he had a forty caliber Beretta Centurion. He had an extended magazine in it, 32 round magazine, but every round in the magazine was a nine millimeter, not a 40 caliber. So he got off the one 40 caliber round that was in the pipe, and then there, it failed to feed, and he got no more shots off. Wow. And if you, I don't want to talk about the young man we tell you, but to, I, I don't know if that's just ignorance, that he didn't know what to load in the gun, but either way, you look at it as holy, I look at it as divine intervention, that, I mean, think about it, if he had the right ammunition, we wouldn't be having this conversation right Absolutely now. Absolutely not. You know, and, and um, divine intervention. There was a lot of divine intervention going on that day. Let's talk about it. All right. about okay, it. let's mm -hmm. go back to the night before. Okay. My grandson spent the night. Mm -hmm. um, my wife was putting him to bed. 
and she's you know, time for your bedtime prayer. He's seven years old at the time. His bedtime prayer has been the same every night for years. Mm -hmm. God bless Coco mm -hmm. and Grandma. God bless our dogs, Pee Wee. God bless the cats. God bless Mama and Dad. Typical seven-year-old prayer. Right. Mm -hmm. But that night, mm -hmm. he said something in his prayer he had never said before, and he said it out of the blue. She thought nothing of it at the time, except other than that it was cute and sweet. Mm -hmm. But what he said was, Dear God, Please put angels around me and my grandma and my Coco to keep us safe. Wow. Never said it before. Nope. Don't, still to this day, don't know why he said it, other than the obvious. Mm -hmm. that the Spirit moved him and the, the need was there. Wow. Okay. So the next day, mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot going on to show that that was an answered prayer. Without a doubt, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. When that bullet came at my head, I didn't even know I got shot. It was, it was I mean... I like to tell people, I got shot the least you can get shot and still say you got shot because the bullet just cut a hole down the side of my head and kept going. You know, I've seen the picture, and for look it up if you would like to. It's, um, I, I know I've seen on Facebook one time and a, a story about your, your situation, but it literally looked like half of the, the, the bullet. It, it like you're, you had like a like a canal for like a better yeah, term. Yeah. yeah, it was like a canal. It was an amazing, you know, that it didn't hurt you more than what it did. And uh, as far as, uh, well, I, I, I like to say there were angels in the room that day. Mm -hmm. And one of them moved me out of the path of that bullet just as sure as I'm sitting here with you right now. I believe, yeah, I believe that. And uh, how did my wife, um, her crippling injuries, she still can't walk, walk right to this day. How did she run the length of the house twice to return with those guns when we needed mm -hmm. her to if an angel wasn't carrying her? I agree. And... Uh, another thing, the, this uh, this guy wasn't flying solo. He had a guy at the back door waiting to come in the second that he, the guy who came in, uh, secured the occupants. Um, when the fight started, the guy at the back door had an option. Mm -hmm. Come in and help his friend push that angel out of the doorway mm -hmm. or run away. Right. And you can't push an angel out of the doorway. Exactly right. I away. mean, because, I, you know, I thought about also, you know, when I looked at the story, I'm looking at the what I call the spiritual side, what's going on, and I, I don't know, but what I believe is going on on the spiritual side of things, and I didn't understand why he didn't come in. And what you said makes sense. Maybe he tried and he couldn't come in, and that's what I believe. I believe there was some force stopping him from coming in, and um, there was also someone in a getaway car. Is that's that, right. There was mm -hmm. a third person involved, a getaway driver, uh, a neighbor, mm -hmm. actually. Wow. She uh, had gone she was supposed to circle the block and come pick them up when they had finished the robbery but uh when, once the shots started you could hear the shots all over the neighborhood i'm told mm -hmm. uh, she just went home right called it a day how did the guy at the back door did he go with her or did he just he, make he, a run or what he, he jumped the fence mm -hmm. and there's an apartment complex behind the house he ran through the apartment complex and went down and came into her backyard okay okay told her he thought that the police will kill you Wow. But that's the kind of honor they. And that's someone life. you knew from the neighborhood, or well, did you know it her? Just it, to see her passing, didn't know her personally. Tell why they picked your house because okay. I thought that was amazing. Why they picked well, your house? Well, <laughs> um, uh, two nights a week at the time, all mm -hmm. my friends would come over for game night. Mm -hmm. we're, we're 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 game nerds from way back. <laughs> we, we play uh, superhero games, fantasy monster games, any kind of role playing game. We play it. Mm -hmm. Spies. Star this guy Trek. here would love you. Yeah, behind the camera, would love you. Star Trek, all that stuff. I mean, that, that's my book, my game shelf right there. We play all that stuff. So two nights a week, our house is packed with cars. Mm -hmm. And these guys that had uh, been visiting this young woman, they had actually uh, turned her out as a prostitute. Mm -hmm. These guys, had, they were when they would come pick her up for her 
dates, as they were called in right. court, mm -hmm. uh, they would see our house full of cars. And, you know, if I drove by your house mm -hmm. and saw a bunch of people over, I'd say, oh, he's got friends over for dinner. He's got a prayer meeting. He's got, mm -hmm. you know, movie night. Right. Mm -hmm. But not them people. They, When they see a bunch of cars in front of somebody's house, mm -hmm. they think differently than we do. They have a criminal brain. So they say, oh, they've got drugs. They have gambling at their house. They have something that we can steal and either make money on or sell, or they have money. Later on, the, the, the story came out after countless hours of interrogation by the police. They told the police they were going to get $90,000 during that robbery. Now, if they picked up the house, <laughs> ran down the road and found somebody to sell it to, they wouldn't have got $90,000. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I've actually, I'm also wondering this also. You mentioned... They think different than we think, and when you said that, first thing popped in my head is saved and unsaved. I mean, I haven't. I, I'm a black and white person. I'm not a gray person, and you either live for Christ or, willingly or unwillingly, you live for Satan. There is no in between, and I truly believe that. And it's amazing how, like you said, I come by your house knowing you, and you have Christian friends over. You're having Bible study, but yet people that are living in the world and looking to be, you know, do criminal activity. You're right. They think totally different. Um, you know, I, I have people that I'm close to that have that mindset, and they see something that I see as perfectly normal, and they see it as evil, and it's all the way they think. It's, it's, it's amazing you said that. We were talking about that the other day, actually. Um, yeah, my, the, the attendees that night before were two ushers from church, the chairman <laughs> of the deacons, me, the children's church co-director, and uh, a couple of our longtime friends. There was also a fourth person that got arrested. Yeah, um, there was four people in the car when they planned the, the uh, uh, they called a lick. I mm -hmm. found this out. I, I wasn't hip to the criminal lingo. <laughs> uh, they, I've never heard that term. When they, when they planned the lick that morning, there were four people in the car. A fourth fellow chickened out, bailed out, decided he wasn't, didn't want to take part in it. Mm -hmm. But that didn't stop him from making threats against us later after the event was over and his friend had gotten killed during the robbery. So when the police went to ask him about those threats, he... Uh, had a concealed weapon on him, and but since he was already a convicted felon, they're all all convicted felons because that's the membership requirement for the gang they were in. The be a cutthroat cut, cutthroat committee. Cutthroat committee. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he got he got arrested and charged with possession of a firearm by a convicted felon and got sent on a ten year vacation. Okay. And that's been how many years ago? Two thousand fourteen. So he could six be out years any ago. Time. This, yeah. I mean, for good behavior or anything like that, a reduced sentence, he could be out any time. Well, uh, the uh, getaway driver is going to get out first. He gets out next year. She got seven years for uh, mm -hmm. second degree murder in Florida. If someone dies during the commission of a felony, you can be charged with murder, whether whether you pull the trigger or not. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And since her friend died committing a felony and she was in on it, right? She also got convicted of. Um, second-degree murder. She only got seven years because she had no prior record at all. Right. Does her family still live in the neighborhood? No, they moved away. They moved away. Okay. Do you think about the ones that, when they get out, do you think about maybe repercussions? Do you think anything like that might happen? Or do you, have you ever, has a thought ever crossed your mind? We know well, God I, protects you. But. I have to say that it has. Mm -hmm. But I'm not especially concerned about it. The police say it's a very rare thing for someone. It's, that's a TV thing, too. You know, it is. Yeah, get out of prison <laughs> and seek revenge. And criminals don't want people like my wife, that'll fight back with mm -hmm. lethal force. They want soft targets. You're right. People that won't fight back. They thought they. I don't know how they got it in their head that we were soft, <laughs> just because we were older. They thought they would just walk in and have a gun and we would, you know, start throwing our wallets at them. Right. But no. That's that, TV stuff too. Right. right. That's the kind that's of people. That's the kind of people they're looking for. Right. But that's not the kind of people they found. That's right. Now, 
When we come back, we're about to take another break. When we come back, I want to ask you about a statement. I believe it was made by your daughter in a news story. Um, said, man, woman traumatized after killing intruder. I want to talk about after the situation, what happened from that point on. So we're going to take a break. We will be back in a moment with Foster Coker, um, 10-1 Ministries, Real Talk, Real Truth. Thank you. Good afternoon. Welcome to 10-1 Ministries, Real Talk, Real Truth. My name is Glenn Parrish. I just want to say thank you for watching our videos and following our podcast. The purpose of this is basically to show how the Holy Spirit is still moving today in everyday Christians' lives, and they can move in your life also. If you have any questions, feel free to message us. Feel free to leave comments on the videos, and uh, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Thank you, and have a blessed day. Good morning. This is Glenn Parrish here with 10-1 Ministries, Real Talk, Real Truth. Today we are here with Foster Coker. Um, Foster is a man that I met back when I was in high school. I remember him as a beast linebacker at Victory Christian Academy. Long time ago, Foster. How are you doing, sir? Very long time ago. Very I'm doing very well. Good to see you again. God bless you and your family. Thank you. Um, since Victory Christian Academy, why don't you tell everybody pretty much you know, where you're at and where you've been and so forth, and then we'll go into the experience of why we're actually here to talk about today. Give us a little bit of background on your past, in other words. Sure. Well, uh, you know, before Victory Christian Academy, uh, my parents separated when I was very young, so I went to live with my grandparents uh, before the age of one. And I was blessed enough to have a wonderful set of grandparents that raised me in a Christian home. So we were members of Springfield Baptist Church from day one. They had been members, you know, before I was born. I was raised in that church, uh, still go to it. Uh, they, they sent me to a private schools, uh, Lake Forest Baptist Christian School in, on Edgewood mm -hmm. for first, first through sixth grade. And then that's as high as they went. And then I went to Victory Christian Academy, as you said, from seventh through twelfth grade. Did some college, didn't actually finish, kind of wanted to get a job and start making some money. Got into the insurance business in 1986, uh, investigating insurance applicants, mortgage applicants, and that sort of thing. And basically, I've been in that same line of work ever since. Um, I was single for a good part of my life, but eventually the Lord did send me the right woman. In 1993, we met. We didn't have a lightning courtship by any means. We <laughs> dated for on and off for seven years before we both realized that Nothing better was going to come along. That we had found the best. We were going to stick with the Lord's plan. And, and that's your wife Pam, right? And that's my okay. wife Pam. Awesome. I'm okay. married to her to this day. We just had our 20th anniversary. Amazing! Congratulations. That's Thank a long you. time. Yeah, that's um, you know I always say me being divorced. When you, I married a Victory Christian girl. I don't know if you know that. My first wife was Gwen Powell. Did I know that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, now we're we're great friends today. But back when it happened, it sure. wasn't a good thing. But anyway. Um, it, it's amazing when, to me when someone who's been on multiple marriages stays with someone 20 years. Congratulations. That's a feature within that. itself. So after you, uh, y'all got, now you worked in the insurance company up until you got married, when you got married pretty much up until today, um, how many kids? Well, uh, we haven't had any together. Her kids, she had two kids okay. when we got married. We were, you know, we were older when we got married, so mm -hmm. we didn't have any kids of our own. She has two, and then each one of them has one son, so we have two grandsons. Two grandkids, okay. Awesome. And um, basically, does she work, or what does she do? Yeah, she works for the Mayo Clinic. Okay, so she, is she a nurse? She's secretary or? for the emergency secretary. room department. Okay. Awesome. And um, the reason we're here is Foster went through a situation that I wish no one would ever have to go through, but he, he, he came out of it amazingly. Um, before we get into that, you mentioned Springfield Baptist Church, which I know where that's at all the way. 
when did you give your life to the Lord? And is there anything traumatic experience that caused that to happen in your opinion? Or was it just something that was, like you said, your grandparents brought you up in it? God touched you, made a decision. And what was your relationship with Christ before this experience we're about to talk about happened? Well, my father, my, I call him my father, my mm -hmm. grandfather right. that raised mm -hmm. me, Foster Coker Sr. He was a deacon at the church. Okay. My, my parents were both very active in the church. We were there every time the doors opened my mm -hmm. entire childhood. So it, was, it wasn't like I was uh, fighting it or anything. I knew I was going to be a member of that church and mm -hmm. be, grow up to be a Christian. Uh, we had a children's church program mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, I was about seven or eight years old. Uh, we had a, a wonderful uh, older gentleman named Mr. Lott who could explain things to kids in a way that we could really understand it. That's he, powerful, he, yeah. Yeah, he, he really made us understand what the phrase giving your life to the Lord meant, leading a certain life, doing certain things, not doing certain things. So uh, we had uh, at the end of our children's church service one day back then, uh, again, I forget if it was 71, 72, uh, we had an altar call, and mm -hmm. I went up there and uh, prayed with Mr. Locke, and he led me to the Lord, right, right there in Children's Church on the third floor, right there at Springfield Baptist Church. And been a Christian ever since? Ever since. And did you always feel like you lived it? And I, I hate to use that term, but... I am uh, embarrassed to say no. Mm -hmm. uh, once I uh, got out of high school and got into college and kind of got out into the world, the world kind of got into me. That happens. That happens. And I it's happened to me. I, I, drifted, <laughs> I drifted away from the church for, mm -hmm. I, I'm embarrassed again to say, many years. Mm -hmm. But uh, my very uh, best friend in the world uh, is the chairman of the deacon at Springfield Baptist Church. And he was always encouraging me, never cajoling me or haranguing me, but always encouraging me. He said, hey, you should come to church this week. You should come to church this week. We're doing something at church this week. Why don't you come? You know, and finally, uh, with Pam's encouragement, I listened to my friend. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we started going back to church probably uh, three or four or five years after we got married. So, yeah. so we had been, I had been away from the church. Not that I didn't still go from time to time. Right. But I had not been a regular church attendee uh, for many years, probably a good 20 years. Gotcha. Uh, but now, uh, having remembered the impact that children's church program had on me, now I'm part of it. And I have That's kids. Amazing. I have kids that I look after and try to explain, try to do what Mitchell Locke did for me, uh, for those kids now. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but I'm an athletic director at a Christian school right now. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy how kids can impact your life. I mean, even the kids that aren't yours can impact right. your life, and it, it's, it's just amazing. Um, now, on the night of August 14th, 2014, your life, I would say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm not putting words in your mouth, probably forever changed. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Would you mind telling, going into detail about what happened on that night, and it's yours, and I will stop you when we get to our first break. I'll absolutely tell you. Uh, that night, uh, Thursday night, August 14th, 2014, mm -hmm. was uh, school had, School was out for the summer. So our, one of our grandsons, our seven-year-old grandson, the older of the two, had slept over. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next morning, at about uh, 6 a.m., mm -hmm. Pam was up and getting read, ready for work. She works out at the Mayo Clinic, so it's a bit of a drive. And she right. was going to take Mason, our grandson, home that day because I worked from home and couldn't look after him. Mm -hmm. He was seven at the time and still you know, needed some uh, maintenance. <laughs> but uh, I, since I were from home, Pam was getting dressed in the bed in the uh, dining room so as not to wake me up, turn mm -hmm. the light on, make noise mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, Mason was still in his bed. She was uh, just about to get him up. That's how she knows exactly what time it was. At 6.20, she heard a thump at our back door. Now, 
as you notice coming in today, we have a lot of animals around, right. cats, dogs, mm -hmm. and you, know, you don't see them today, but the raccoons and possums are out there too. They come <laughs> by to steal the cat food on the regular. So she didn't think anything of it. She thought an animal's out there and bumped into the door having some food. But then there was a second bump, and, and that was a much louder, more, for, more forceful bump, and the back door flew open, and a uh, masked gunman ran wow. into the house. She immediately screamed and ran towards the back of the house. I'm in a dead sleep. I hear the scream. It doesn't register on me exactly what's happening. I, I think maybe there's a bug or the dogs are fighting or something. I, I just jump out of bed and run towards the sound of the scream. Then I realize what she's screaming is, get your gun. But it was too late. I had already run out of the bedroom by then. And right. when I reached the hallway, I saw her lying on the living room floor with a man standing over her that didn't belong in the house, needless right. to say. Now, you're, you're a gun advocate, just so that people know. I mean, you, you yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with I mean, I'm, I'm a gun advocate. So, yeah. um, so get your gun was a common thing when something happens in your house, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you said he was standing over her. Did he hit her? Was she injured or anything at that point in time? Or We piece it all together later because as it's happening, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you can't understand what's happening. But uh, he shoved her or struck her across the back to stop her from running and knocked her down on the hardwood floor. And she suffered extensive injuries from that. Um, a broken big toe on her left foot, a dislocated kneecap and torn meniscus wow. on her left leg, and a torn right hamstring. So effectively crippled her right there on the spot. Wow. And once she yelled, get your gun, you'd already, you was already down, you'd said. So what, when you came into them and seen him, what was your reaction? I mean, obviously you had a crazy reaction, but what, I couldn't imagine personally seeing someone stand on my wife that's not supposed to be there. What was your impulse? What did you do from that point on? My first instinct was to get him away from her so that he couldn't hit her, hurt her, or do anything else to her. Mm -hmm. So I ran and leapt over her and grappled with him to push him back. I was bigger than him. He was uh, about my height, but much thinner, which most people are. <laughs> uh, but I pushed him away from her, and then as I did that, he started hitting me. He wound up and came out on top of my head really hard and I said that is not a punch because it really stunned me. I've been hit by a punch before mm -hmm. many times and it didn't hurt like that. Out uh, of I, I, the corner of my eye I saw that as he was bringing it down to hit me again there was a long black object sticking out of the back of his, the mm -hmm. bottom of his hand. I thought he's hitting me with a pipe or a stick or something. That's not fair. <laughs> so I, I just tried to do my best to protect myself but um, he was yelling and fast and he kept hitting me and eventually um, the blows had uh, busted my head open to the point where I was just pouring blood down my face the way water pours in your face when you stand under a shower. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see hardly anything. And I told my wife, I, I said, honey, oh, sorry. Okay. I told my wife, you're going to have to get a gun, honey. Go get me a gun. And I'm sure it wasn't that calm, though, right? <laughs> no, no. I said, get me a gun. <laughs> and she uh, somehow got up on all those injuries right. and went into the other room. So he and I are still out here fighting and he's beating the crap out of me. I'll, I'll be honest about that. I, I, so if he hits me one more time, I'm going down. So I've got to get him away from me. So I, I summoned up what strength I had. I lifted him into the air and threw him away from me. And he bounced off the front door, which was still closed. He had kicked in the back door. Mm -hmm. He bounced off the front door and when he did, his feet hit the welcome mat and it slipped out from under him and he landed on his butt. Mm -hmm. Welcome at shot across the room. And when he landed on his butt, I had a breather for a minute, and I turned to look, and my wife was right there putting my pistol in my hand. So wow. then I looked at him, and, and as I was drawing a bead on him, I saw that the object he had been beating me with the entire time 
was an automatic semi-automatic handgun with an uh, extended magazine. Wow. So he'd been pistol whipping me the whole time. I didn't realize it. Um, I started shooting at him. He started shooting at me. Wow. Right here. Right here. Right there. Right over there. Uh, no. He shot one time for what I read. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And you shot, what, four, five, five, times. five times? Okay. Did you hit him at that time? Or did I did. You? I hit him in the heart. Mm -hmm. Fatal shot. The coroner later said that that was a, a, you bleed to death in three to five minutes with that wound if you don't get immediate care. Okay. But uh, three to five minutes is a long, long time, time exactly. in a gunfight. Exactly. And, and I wasn't sure where I hit him. I knew I'd hit him a couple times because he started screaming mm -hmm. when I hit him. Um, but I had a five shot thirty eight. That thing was empty like that. I mean, it was boom, 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 boom. It's empty. Right. So, and I saw that he had, as far as I could tell, about 30 rounds. Now, I want to go back to something you mentioned a while ago. You mm -hmm. said you felt like you were losing consciousness. And I've read your story, obviously. And I think I read somewhere, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, that at that time your thought process was if I lose consciousness, I can't protect my family. Yeah. If, we, talk on, exactly. yeah. If, if, if he hits me and puts me down, there's nobody between him and my wife and my grandson. Right. And that motive, I mean, was it like a will? I mean, did you feel anything like Well, I mean, I, I think that's what gave me the strength to lift him up and get him away from me. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, how long did this whole process take? I mean, I, I think I read somewhere the whole thing was over in five to seven minutes uh, or something um, like that. From the time that the door kicked in, which she just looked at her watch and saw that it was 620, to mm -hmm. the time she got on the phone with 911 was uh, nine minutes. Nine minutes. It's a long nine minutes, I yeah. bet. Though. But uh, wow. after that, after the gunfire started, the fight was far from over. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because my gun was empty. His wasn't. I said to her, go get me another gun. Mm -hmm. I threw my pistol down and threw myself on top of him to try and hold him down so he couldn't keep firing. Mm -hmm. His one shot, unknown to me at the time, hit me in the head. I've seen the pictures, yeah. Mm -hmm. Went off the side of my head, through the wall behind me, into our grandson's bedroom where he was laying in bed trying to figure out what all that noise was. Mm -hmm. The bullet shattered his nightstand lamp into a million pieces, his favorite childhood lamp from when he was a baby, and then it ricocheted from the lamp and went up and came to rest in the molding at the top of the wall. How far away from your your grandson was the shot? Was the lamp that it actually hit? Two feet, three feet. Two feet. I mean, wow. right, right beside his bed. Wow. Talk about being great. I mean, obviously God was protecting your family at that well, point. Well, I mean, I'm going to circle back and tell you how everything that happened that I wasn't seeing at the time. Okay, let's uh, take a break. Okay. We're, we're up on a break then, and we will come back with that. Again, this is Glenn Parrish with Tim One Ministries, Real Talk, Real Truth with Foster Coker. Thank you, and we'll be right back.